Well, good morning again, everybody. I just want to say thank you guys for letting me have the opportunity to be here. Uh, I know I say it pretty much every time I come up and get to speak, and it really does feel like coming home, which is awesome, and we're so grateful for the opportunity to be able to do that and be here. Uh, we just love you guys. We love the church. We love uh, just how you uh, love so well and support the kingdom of God so well. So thank you uh, for allowing us to be a part of your family here. We literally couldn't do what we do at the farm if it wasn't for you and your prayer support and your financial support and all the different supports that you give. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do what we do if it wasn't for you. So, so thank you. You know, Pastor Jeff, did, we did joke because I haven't been here for a little while now. Uh, and that is because I've learned some things uh, since moving to a farm. I was not a farmer in the slightest. As you can see, I'm a skinny jean wearing city boy. And so I'm trying to figure out how to be an accidental farmer uh, down in South Jersey. And I learned a couple things. And I learned first that it's not so easy to leave the farm. Uh, when you have 30-something animals that could care less what time of day it is or what day of the week it is or whether it's raining or not raining, they just want to eat. It's not so easy to just get up and go. Uh, and I also learned that it seems that any time you leave the farm, uh, something not good happens. Uh, either something gets eaten that's not supposed to be eaten um, or something runs away that's not supposed to run away. Uh, but that seems to have happened every single time I've gone away from the farm. In fact, I'm waiting for the text or the call from my kids right now to tell me that something's not there anymore. Uh, and so, you know, I was reminded of this, or I learned this lesson a few months ago because I was out on a Sunday. Uh, one of the other awesome opportunities I have is I volunteer as the chaplain for the High School Rodeo Association in New Jersey. Again, didn't know that was a thing, but it is. Uh, and so I get to go during rodeo season and I get to go spend time with all the families and we do church on Sunday mornings called Cowboy Church uh, and we get to hang out before the rodeo happens. And so one Sunday morning a few months ago, I was at a rodeo. I was about an hour and a half away, uh, and my phone rang. Now, you know how sometimes your phone rings, and it's like at a time that it doesn't usually ring, or you see somebody's name, and, and you don't usually get a call from them at that point or that time, and you kind of get the feeling like uh, something's not good. You ever get one of those moments? Well, I was at the rodeo, and we had just finished Cowboy Church. I was, I was having a great day, and I looked down, and my dad was calling me. And now he doesn't usually call me on a Sunday mid-afternoon, so I'm like, oh, this is not good. So I pick up the phone, and he goes, uh, Rob, uh, hi. I'm like, hey. He's like, I just wanted to let you know I drove over to the farm to drop something off, and when I got out, I looked, and all your animals are gone. And I was like, I'm sorry, come again. Maybe it's bad service. Try saying that one more time. It, yeah, um, I looked and the animals are gone. The goats are like running all over the field. Uh, and I couldn't even tell you where your pigs are. Like, oh, this is a problem. I'm about an hour and a half away. And uh, I was like, well, do you know what's going on? He goes, yeah, um, I chased some of them on the lawnmower and I got them back. And I can only imagine watching my dad. If you know my dad, it's just you could make a reality show about him, but nobody would be, believe it's real life. Uh, but any, like, so I, my dad's like, I chased him on the lawnmower and I got some of the, the goats and I, I brought them back to the pen and uh, you forgot to close the gate. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, they just walked out because you forgot to close the gate. The gate was wide open. Now, the other thing that I've learned on the farm is that the gate is probably one of the most important things on the farm because the gate keeps the things you want in, in, 
and the things you don't want in, out. And so that morning, I was in a rush because I couldn't wait to get to the rodeo. I couldn't wait to do cowboy church. I couldn't wait to do all those things. And so I had to feed everybody because they wanted to eat. They always want to eat. And so I'm rushing around to feed them. And in my rush, what I forgot to do after I went and fed the animals was close the gate. And so it was only a matter of time until the animals were like, hey, now's our chance. And they walked right out of the gate. Thankfully, we found most of the goats. Unfortunately, I wish we didn't have to find them all, but we found most of the goats and the pigs decided to take a walk about a mile away to the horse, uh, horse farm and they were hanging out with the racehorses. So my dad and my other friend had to go pick up uh, a truck and drive about a mile away to the other farm and throw the, my pigs in the back of their truck just to bring them back. And, and, and I realized, hey, Rob, life lesson, you need to close the gate and you gotta check your gate. And so now a new part of my routine every single morning and every single day, multiple times throughout the day at the farm is to check my gate. Because otherwise the things that I want to be in there won't be in there. And then there's other times where the things that I didn't want to be in there made their way into the pasture. You know, most of you probably don't live on a farm, but you all have a gate in your life. We all have a gate. And that gate is what I would call integrity. You see, we have a gate in our lives because every minute of every day, we have things in this world that we're experiencing that are trying to challenge us to let out the things that are supposed to be in about who we are and how we live. And then there's the opposite of we have things that are trying to get out that are supposed to be here, but yet we're being challenged to compromise it and let it out. You see, the Bible tells us that that we're supposed to live a certain way. As followers of Jesus, we're supposed to look a certain way. We're supposed to love a certain way. We're supposed to live a certain way. But the tension that we have to manage is that every minute of every day, we're being challenged to compromise that in how we're called to live. And we're being challenged to compromise the gate of integrity in our lives. And this morning, what I wanna talk about is how can we check our gate? How can we check our gate so that we can make sure we're living a life of integrity in a world that is constantly challenging us to compromise it? How do we live a life of integrity in a world that is constantly challenging us to compromise it? Well, you might be thinking, well, how am I being challenged to compromise my integrity? Well, you see, the interesting thing is it happens in all different ways. Some are subtle. I live out in the country. I'm challenged to compromise my integrity every time I'm driving down the road because I can't tell you how many times I pull up to a stop sign on a little country road and there's no cars for literally miles. But I have a moment and a decision to make when I pull up to that stop sign. Could I just roll through? Is it really that big of a deal? Who's gonna see? Who's gonna notice? Is it really gonna affect things all that much? Or... Will I live with integrity and say, no, the sign says stop. I need to stop whether someone's here to look or not. That's a small one. But you see, some are subtle. Some are not so subtle. Maybe you're at at your job and you want a promotion. And you know, if you could finish this project a little faster for a little cheaper, then maybe you'd look a little bit better in line for the promotion. And so you think, well, if I just cut this corner over here, nobody will know. Will it really make that big of a difference? And then maybe I'll look a little better over here. 
You're faced with the moment. You're challenged to compromise your integrity or to stand strong in it. You're married. Well, my spouse just isn't doing it for me anymore. So if I just look at this, or if I just talk to them over here, is it really that big of a deal? Nobody will know. And maybe I'll get my needs met in that way. You see, all of us, every minute of every day, are being challenged to compromise our integrity or to stand in it. And this morning, I wanna talk about how can we stand strong? How can we check our gate in our lives so that we can live with integrity, that we can live lives of integrity in a world that is constantly challenging us to compromise it? And I wanna learn from three men that were faced with a moment, a moment where the world was challenging them to compromise their integrity. And I wanna look at their response because I think their response is what gives us three keys to unlocking a life of integrity in our lives. If you have your Bible, I invite you to join me in Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three. Now, now we're gonna jump in. This is a, a long moment, a long story. So, so I'm gonna sum up the first few verses for us to give us an idea of where we're going. And then we're gonna unpack a few verses along the way. So what's happening in this moment is there's a king and this king's name is Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was a huge fan of Nebuchadnezzar. Like he loved himself. Like he believed he was God's gift to the world. And so Nebuchadnezzar one day decided, hey, you know what? There's just not enough of me to go around. Like the world just needs more of me. And so he thought, well, I can't reproduce myself, but what I can do is I can create this statue so that everybody can just see how amazing I am. And then he said, but you know what? That's just not gonna be enough. One statue, like, okay, it's cool, it's there, people see it, but you know what we really should do to really bless the people? We should give them the opportunity to worship me. That would really be great for them. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he built this statue and then he decided, okay, so what we're gonna do is throughout the day at these different times, we're gonna have some music play and no matter where people are in the, in the region, no matter where they are in the land, they're gonna stop, drop and worship me. So that's what Nebuchadnezzar decided. But then he thought, you know what? We gotta have some, uh, like, a, like a fail safe in this because what if people don't understand how great it would be to worship me? So he said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make a decree, we're gonna make a law. And that law is gonna be that if you don't stop and worship me, we're gonna murder you. Now you read it and you think that escalated rather quickly. But think about it. Talk about not checking your gate, Nebuchadnezzar. Think about how this man went from, I'm a king to now everybody needs to worship me. You know why? Because he didn't check his gate because he compromised his integrity, because he didn't live the way that God was calling him to live. And so they make this decree, they make this rule, they make this law that says, when the music plays, everybody stop, drop, and worship. And if you don't, we're gonna murder you. And you know how they're gonna murder him? You probably know the story. They're gonna throw him into the furnace and burn him alive. They're gonna throw him into the furnace and burn him alive. And so this is what begins to happen. 
They build the statue, they put it out in the middle for all to see, they start playing the music. And now here's another interesting piece. In that moment, that whole country, that whole nation, that whole region was faced with a moment and a decision. Will I compromise my integrity or will I stand strong in it? Now, what we know is for 99.99999% of that group of people, they compromised their integrity. Because the Bible said the music played and everybody would bow down and worship. But see, here's the thing. It wasn't 100% of the people. There was three men that decided, nope, we're not gonna do this. Now you can imagine what happens in Nebuchadnezzar's mind and in his heart, because what, what goes on is while everybody's bowing down in worship, uh, some of the rulers come up to Nebuchadnezzar and they say, hey, um, we gotta let you know something. There's these three guys that are not bowing down. There's these three guys that have said no to the decree that you just put before them. Now you can imagine Nebuchadnezzar seems like a reasonable guy, right? He, so he probably was just like, oh, you know, that's no big deal. You do you guys. <laughs> you just be you, you're, you're entitled. No, Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind. And so he says, go get those men. And so they, they call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they come before the king. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a conversation with Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar says to them, hey, is it true? Is it true? You refuse to bow? There's the first key that we see in unlocking a life of integrity in our lives instead of compromising it. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego live their lives driven by principle, not pressure. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived their lives driven by principle and not pressure. You see, everybody else caved to the pressure of the moment and bowed, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You wanna know why? Because they lived their lives based off of a principle. Now, what's the principle? Now, remember, the, the interesting thing about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they were Jewish. And so the Jewish people had a good understanding of God. They were very well uh, learned. And now for them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're faced with this moment, hey, bow down and worship the little G God of this statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Now in their mind, when that happens, here's where I believe their mind went to. I think they went backwards. And they were reminded of their great, 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 great grandpa, Grandpa Moses. And they were reminded of that time when all of their family were wandering around in the desert. And then that one day, Moses went up on that mountain and he hung out with God for a little while. And then he came down off that mountain and he had these two tablets. And you know what the first thing that those tablets said was? Have no other gods before me. Have no other gods before me. You see, that's a principle. That's something that God has said, this is how you are to live your life. You worship no one other than me. And so in that moment, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they hear Nebuchadnezzar say, you need to bow down and worship me. And they say, absolutely not. Because my God has told me that the only one I bow to is him. And so I will not bow. You see, they live their lives by principle, not pressure. The pressure of the moment was bow down and worship, but the principle that they were using to guide and direct themselves was no, there is one true God and we worship him and him alone. My question is this, in your lives, are you driven by principle or pressure? Are you driven by principle or pressure? You see, we face these moments all the time. We face these moments where we have to decide, will I do this? Will I live that way? Will I make that decision? Or will I live my life based off of the principles that God has given me in this book? See, I think a lot of us, we compromise our integrity when we live by pressure, not principle. I remember a, a while ago, I, I was talking to someone and he was a, a big time investor. Um, he worked for one of the largest investment uh, companies in the world. Uh, they invested billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. And I was just talking to him one day and, and we were talking about kind of the process about how they would choose to invest money and, and things like that. And he says that, and he told me that we, they would have people come to them all the time they were the, the biggest investment firm ever. And so all of these people wanted them to invest their money. And so these people would come and say, hey, I got $50 million. I want you to invest it for me and turn it into 100 million. Now, in that moment, my, my friend was faced with a decision. And he told me that, you know, it's very tempting in those moments to see these big dollar signs and think, oh, this is gonna go really good for me if I do this. But he's like, we decided a long time ago as a firm that if we can't determine that the money that they're trying to invest was earned in an honorable way, we won't take them on as a client because we are not gonna take someone's dishonesty and exploit that for our own gain. But you see, in that firm, they're faced with a moment almost every single day because they would look really good if they took all of this money, the bosses up above and all the, they would say, hey, way to go, new client, tons of money for us, good job. And it would be really easy to just look the other way for them and say, well, let's not ask where the money came from. Let's just take it because it'll, it'll work out real good for us. But they said no, because our integrity as a firm and as men and women matters more than a dollar sign. And so we're not just gonna look the other way. We're not gonna cave to the pressure of the moment. We're gonna live our lives based off of the principles that God has put before us and how he wants us to live. And I wonder, do you do the same? Do you live your life based off of principles or pressure? Principles or pressure? Well, if I just cut this corner at work, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. Well, if I just look at this thing, it's really not gonna impact my relationship that much. If I just cheat over here, it really won't be that bad. It's really just between me and, and the screen. 
principle or pressure? Now, here's the interesting thing. Remember I said that, that for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they knew the principle. You see, I think for a lot of us, the reason that we cave to the pressure and compromise our integrity is because we haven't taken the time to understand the principles. You see, a lot of us will say, I just, I didn't know what God wanted me to do. And, and so, well, the reason we don't know what God wants us to do is because we don't take the time to learn what he wants us to do. And so you can't expect to live your life based off of a principle if you don't even know what the principle is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that moment already knew what God was gonna have them do. They didn't wait to say, well, this is a predicament. I wonder what I should do now. They said from the beginning, because they had done the work over here to build their life off of God's word. And so when the, the moment came and the match was lit, it didn't matter because they already knew how God would have them respond. And church, I, I have been, this is something that has been so strong on my heart for so long now because we talk with people almost all day, every day. And they come to us because they make decisions and it goes the wrong way because of the decision that they made. And they say, I just don't get it. The reason that they don't get it is because they haven't gotten it. Because they haven't taken the time to understand how God actually wants us to live our lives. And so we just give in to the pressure of the moment. I mean this with all due respect, but I think one of the biggest reasons our world looks the way that it looks right now is because each moment that people are faced with, we use to create this new thing of, okay, you just go do, th that's fine. You can just go do your thing. You can act that way. You can talk that way. You can live that way because that's you. You do you. You go live that life. When the reality is God has said, no, this is how you're supposed to live. Not like that. And our world looks the way that it looks because we've been caving and compromising to the pressure of the moment every minute of every day instead of standing on the rock and saying, these are the principles that God has given me to look the way he wants me to look and live the way that he wants me to live and love the way that he wants me to love. And it doesn't matter what the pressure is gonna be over here because my life is built on this. And that's what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they say to Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, it's true. We won't bow. And Nebuchadnezzar is furious. And so he says, that's it. Fire it up, baby. So he tells them to turn the furnace up. They're going in. And he, he's so furious, he tells them, Hey, turn it up as hot, hotter than it's ever been. And so they say, okay, the people turn up the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar comes back and he comes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, do it, worship me, worship me. 
one last chance. And he says, if you don't, we're gonna throw you into that furnace. And what God is gonna be able to save you then is what Nebuchadnezzar says. Now look at verse 16. And look at what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. It says, they replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve you or your gods and the image that you have set up. Can you imagine this moment? You know, sometimes I think we, we look at this story as a cute little kid's story. If you grew up in church, I guarantee you, you have a coloring sheet somewhere of these three men in a furnace that you colored and came home and were very excited to show mom and dad. Look at this cute little story that we learned about in Sunday school today. Think about what's happening in this moment. It's funny, I was talking about this very topic uh, at, at Cowboy Church a few months ago and I had some family that were there with me and they brought their sons who were like three and four years old. And afterwards, they came up to me. They're not believers. They don't go to church, but they came to Cowboy Church. They wanted to check it out. And so they don't, they don't know a lot of these stories. But, but my, my family member came up to me and he goes, Rob, little heads up next time. <laughs> He's like, my kid just said, Dad, they burned people alive? <laughs> but you see, we look at this as this cute little story with a coloring sheet and three points to make us feel better tomorrow. But this is a story of rage. This is a story of torture. This is a story of anger and fear. And you know what? That's the same story that happens in our lives when we're faced with the moment to compromise our integrity or stand strong in our identity and who God has called us to be. It's not gonna be pretty. It's not gonna look good on a coloring sheet. It's gonna be messy and it's gonna be ugly. And in that moment, we have to make the decision. Will we bow or will we stand? I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response because what they said was, listen, your majesty, we will not bow because we know that our God is able to deliver us from the furnace. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. There's our second key of how we live our lives based off of integrity instead of compromising it. And that is this. We need to have an even if mindset, not an or else attitude. We need an even if mindset, not an or else attitude. You see, I think a lot of us will say, well, I'll live with integrity as long as God, you do this for me. So I'll have that integrity, but, but God, if you don't do it, I'm out of here. I'll go bow. God, you better do this or else. You better fix this situation for me, God, or else I'm going somewhere else. You better make me feel better or else I'm gonna go find that feeling better somewhere else. 
God, you better do this or else. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have said, everyone else in the, in the whole country bowed. They could have said, all right, God, like make this go away or else, you know what, I'm just gonna bow. You know what, God, I'll, I'll bow on the outside, but I'll be standing on the inside. That'll be okay, right, God? No. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, look, we know what our God is capable of. We know that he has all power and all authority to take us out of this furnace. And so we're not gonna bow because we know that he can and will do something. We don't know what it is, but we know he can and will. But even if he doesn't do what we want him to do, let's be honest, what did they want God to do? Help them not get thrown into the furnace. But they still said, even if he doesn't do that, we're still not gonna compromise our integrity. And I wonder, do you do the same in your life? Do you have an even if mindset or an or else attitude? God, you better make the diagnosis clear or negative or else I don't think I could be your, your child anymore. God, you better, you better put me in this position so that I can make more money or else I'm, I'm out of here, God. I, I'm not gonna trust you anymore. God, you better make my relationship back to what it was or else I'm gonna go find what I'm looking for anywhere else other than in you and in my spouse. I wonder, are you willing to look at your life and the situations that you're faced with every minute of every day? And are you willing to say, even if God, even if it doesn't go the way that I want it to go, I still won't bow. You know, I believe that they were able to say this because they knew who God was. They knew who he was. They knew the principles. They knew the, the heart of their father. And so they knew what God wanted to do in their lives and in their story. And because of that, because they knew who he was, it didn't matter what he did. See, I think sometimes we, we have an or else attitude instead of an even if is because we focus more on the presence of God, NTS, God, what are you gonna give to me? What are you gonna do for me? Instead of the presence of God, NCE. God, you're here and that's all that matters. But no, 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 no. God, yeah, I'll have that relationship with you. I won't bow as long as you make everything better. As long as you fix every problem. As long as you take away everything that hurts. Or else... I don't know, God, I don't think I could do it. I wonder if God never did another thing for you for the rest of your life, would you still serve him? Would you still love him? Would you still walk with him? If you have a hard time answering that, it may be because you focused more on the NTS presence of God instead of the NCE presence of God. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say to, to the king, look, we know who God is. We know his heart. And we know he's gonna do something, even though we don't know what it is. 
But even if he doesn't, we're still not gonna bow. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, that's fine, in you go. And so it says they, they, they tie the men up and they bring them over to the furnace. And this is the amazing part. It said that the furnace was so hot that the guys that were carrying them to the furnace literally died before they got there from the heat. That's how hot it was. Think about that for a second. Think about that. That's what these men were walking into. You gotta wonder, would it have been that bad if they just bowed one time to avoid that? But they didn't because it did matter to them because they knew who God was and they knew how they were supposed to live because their lives were driven by principle and not the pressure of the moment. And so here's the moment. They throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. And there's our third key of unlocking a life of integrity in our lives. We need to be willing to practice what we preach. We need to be willing to practice what we preach. See, it's very easy to live a life of integrity in these seats. But it's a lot harder to do it outside of these doors. And so we could come in here all we want and talk about how much we love God and how amazing God is and how he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, he's always walking, but then all of a sudden it's time, the match is lit and our feet are on the fire and we have to make a decision, will I practice what I preach? Or will I bow? Will I cave to the pressure? Or will I say, even if, even if my life doesn't go the way I want it to go, I still won't bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the moment to practice what they preached. And look at what happened. It says they threw him in the fire. And in verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, hey, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. In verse 25, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, sir, listen, listen to how his language changed. Servants of the most high God. What just happened? Remember the beginning? Who did he say the God was? Himself. Now what is he saying? Wait a minute. There's something more here. Do you see when we live with integrity and when we refuse to bow, when we have an even if mindset, do you see how people's eyes are shifted and hearts are changed to see their father? That's what happens when we live with integrity in our lives. But it only happens when we practice what we preach. You see, I think a lot of us think that integrity is formed on the mountaintop, but the reality is integrity is formed in the fire. And so many of us are just begging God every minute of every day to take us out of the fire instead of asking God to help us see that he's in the midst of it with us. You see, the interesting thing about God is this. He's not always gonna take you out of the furnace, 
but he's always gonna be with you in the fire. He's not always gonna take you out of the furnace. Will he at times? Absolutely. Does he wanna do it? Absolutely. But you know the one thing that you can take to the bank? Is that no matter how hot the fire, you're never gonna be standing in it alone. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar saw. And so it says they pull him out. And this is awesome, because I think sometimes God just likes to show off, and he's God, so he can. So, so he, he pulled, they pulled Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire, and it says that, that their clothes weren't even singed, and that they didn't even smell like smoke. Now, remember, the men that threw them in the fire are still dead on the ground, but yet these guys were just in the fire, walking around, and then they walked out of the fire. And it said they didn't even smell like smoke. You see what happens in our stories when we go through the fire with our father? You see what he can do? You see how he moves? You see how he protects? That's your father. And just as much as he wanted to be in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he wants to be in the fire with you today. I don't know what your fire is. I don't know what your moment is. I don't know what your furnace looks like. But one thing I do know is you all have one. I have one. Every person walking this planet has a furnace in front of them and a statue that we have to choose, will I bow or not? And if we wanna live the life that God has called us to live, we need to be sure, we need to be sure that we practice what we preach. That we have an even if mindset, not an or else attitude. And that we live our lives driven by principle and not pressure. And I wonder where are you at this morning with your furnace? Are you standing or did you bow? You know, it's interesting. I was, I was studying this passage and, you know, for us, the whole idea of a statue, it seems kind of crazy, like that's a little conceited. But in that time, everyone had statues, all the different religions, all the different uh, people groups, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, they, they all used these images as a form of worship. And the reason that they would do that was because it was their attempt to make an invisible God visible. That's what they would try to do. They would make these statues as a way to put kind of legs or, or a face to something that's invisible. You know what I find amazing? God never made a statue. But you know what he made? Us. You know when Nebuchadnezzar found God? when he saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego living the life that God had called them to live. Now, suddenly, an invisible God became visible to Nebuchadnezzar. And now, he said, wait a minute, there's something different. 